Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Nassinar and I can't wait because the NFL season starts in less than a week. It's amazing. We're going to get to see what is happening. We've had breaking news before the season even started. And I will dedicate an entire podcast devoted to previewing the NFL season. That is coming up. I'll talk more about that at the end of this podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for the end and don't just leave when it looks like I'm about to wrap it up. And today, though, we still got baseball going on. We've got a month of baseball to go before the playoffs. What's going to happen? Can the Indians turn it around? What's going to happen with the red-hot Dodgers, the Yankees? They've been playing great baseball. The Nationals, they've won more games than any other team in the last three months. And I'm going to be talking baseball today with ESPN writer Eddie Matz. So, it's going to be a lot of fun today. And that's all that's coming up on Sports with Yosef. But it's going to be a lot of fun, so check that out. Can't say much, much more, but it's Eddie, Eddie Matz from ESPN on Sports with Yosef. When I was just starting Sports with Yosef last year, ESPN's Eddie Matz, he was nice enough to come on twice to talk baseball. Luckily, Eddie's still feeling nice, so joining me today on Sports with Yosef, it's ESPN writer Eddie Matz. Eddie, thanks for coming on Sports with Yosef. How are you doing? My pleasure. I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. The Orioles, unlike last year, had a very quiet trade deadline, and obviously they weren't going to be buyers. They're rebuilding. But I thought they would be shipping some guys off to get younger. Were you surprised with how little the Orioles did at the deadline? Not really. They have to have buyers for what they're selling. And I think Michael Gibbons was the only surprise. He's a guy that they would have liked to have traded, but he just wasn't performing very well. He, he's been kind of up and down this year, and a lot of times with the trade deadline, we saw this with Andrew Kashner. It's about where your value is right at that time. You know, Kashner's value couldn't possibly have been any higher than it was. He was, I think, nine and three, which even though wins don't matter that much anymore, it looks nice on paper. The GRA was below four. And that's about as good as he'll be. So they were able to, to trade him to Boston, although they didn't really get that much for him. Gibbons is a guy who, if he's had his best, he would have been really attractive for a contending team. But he he uh, he had righted the ship a little bit, I think, in the, the first half of July. But then leading up to the, the second half of July, he had a couple of outings where he gave up some home runs. And there were so many other names available on the market. And cheaply, too, uh, then I feel like there just wasn't a market for him. But other than that, you know, who else are the Orioles going to trade? Maybe Jonathan Riar, but I, I, I don't know they were in a hurry to get rid of him. There was a lot of Trey Mancini talk, but I don't think they wanted to get rid of him either. So there really, there really weren't a lot of prospects. You know, there has to be someone willing to take Case your guys, right? The Orioles are not a good team this year. They don't have a lot of players that people want. So for me, I wasn't that surprised with mm-hmm. the relative lack of activity. Uh huh. And by the way, Eddie, I'm starting to lose you again. Oh no! Can you hear me now? Uh yeah, I'm I'm hearing you. Like I'm able to pick it up. It's just a little scratchy. Uh, all right. Well, we're, I'm doing my best. I know. So, uh, if you need if you need to repeat a question or anything, just let me know. All right. 
Uh, I was actually just about to ask about Jonathan VR. He's been having such a great season, the sixth Oriole all-time to have 20 steals, 20 bombs. Is there going to be a market for him in this offseason? A uh, market as far as what, trade talk? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose they're good. Uh, you know, the, the, the off-season trade market and the, and the trade deadline trade market are they're not necessarily the same. You know, I think a lot of times what's cool about the, the, the trade deadline trade market is you can get a team over a barrel, right, where there's a team that's in a pinch. Maybe their second baseman just got injured and is out for the season. And then all of a sudden you've got a buyer who's really hungry and is willing to overpay. Um, so I think a lot of times that's why you see teams not trade players in the offseason. We saw that with Zach Britton and Manny Machado. Of course, the Orioles were still trying to contend then. I don't think the Orioles are making any, uh, not making any pretensions of contending next year. Um, I'm sure you know, if you can find a buyer this winter, maybe. Um, I think it's not so much about when they do it, right? It's just about when's the value going to be highest. So if the R continues to produce over these next five weeks through the end of the season and ends up with really nice numbers, his value is going to be high. And so, you know, if you find a buyer who's willing to pay the price that you're asking, um, then great. The thing with the Orioles, though, is they, they have no reason not to be patient, right? Because it's, it's going to be a long, slow rebuild. Yeah, but the so thing, Eddie. Here's the thing, yeah. Jonathan VR has never hit this well before in his career. I feel like that coming off of the season that he's had, this is the time to trade him. Yeah, yeah, it might be. It might be. If they can find someone who needs him, great, do it, right? Yeah. Um, for sure. Like, if you're picking one player that might be an off-season trade candidate, like, sure, absolutely, he could be that guy. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to see him running again. People forget when he first came up with Milwaukee, he had like 63 steals, I think, led the league. Yeah. Um, and so he's he does have what sixty three steals in like the whole last five seasons under Showalter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So he has a lot of tools. You know, you'd, you'd like to see, you know, a little more pop, a little more. You know, if you were in like three hundred and had you know like thirty homers with those steals, then it's a no brainer. Yeah, no, he's had a good season for sure, and he's a versatile guy. So yeah, I can envision him getting moved this offseason for sure. Yeah, and another guy who we've not really talked about, Hanser Alberto. I mean, he's just dominating lefties, and I get he's one of the younger guys that they might want to keep him, but the Orioles aren't contending in 2020. I don't think they're contending in 2021, which means I, for a couple of guys, I want Trey to be traded. I think the Orioles don't, it's not worth it for them to keep him, have to go through arbitration versus if they trade him now, they could be set. They could have the prospects keep on coming up until 2025. I prefer to have that move. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's a very logical sound move. I'm sure that that's more along the lines of how Mike Elias and the front office are thinking. The problem though, and you have to balance this, is that right now, if there's one player that Orioles fans hang their hat on, Trey Mantini, right? So... I mean, it's not like they're drawing a lot of fans at the park, but of those, you know, let's say there's like 13,000 fans there, like 12,900 of them are there to see Trey Mancini. So if you trade him and you get a good value for him, great. But then, then what? Like, then, like, you might face, it's not really going to affect your attendance so much, but there's, there's something to be said for like the emotional equity that fans have in the team. You don't want them to totally tune you out, right? Like, think about it like in terms of parents and teenagers, right? You have to like manage the relationship there. But so it's a fine line. 
But I agree with you. At the end of the day, it's, it's business. And if Trey Mancini is, is one that other teams want and you can get good return for him, by all means, no, no one is untouchable. Right. But there, if, there is one guy who is untouchable. It's got to be John Means. He's had a fantastic season this year, really building on him. I mean, if they would trade him, they'd get the sun, the moon, and possibly some stars also. They're not trading him. They better not trade him because, like you said, that really would alienate the fan base. Um, but he could be the, franchi- the face of the new franchise. Who else would, could be able yeah, to come up yeah. and do that yeah, as well? Yeah, he's been, he's been really impressive. Although lately, I feel like teams are kind of – the machine has worn off a little bit. He's been getting hit around a little bit the last few starts. I don't know if it's him getting fatigued, and maybe it's a combination of that plus the scouting report and teams know what to do. He's also – he's a pretty fly ball heavy pitcher, which eventually is going to catch up with you, especially in Camden Yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it comes down to value, right? Um, but yeah, I don't think they have any intentions of trading him. He's, I, I don't want to say he's young cause he kind of got a late start, but he's relatively young and controllable and cheap. That's the kind of guy that you would like to keep around. Of course, that's also the kind of guy that if you do trade him because he's young and controllable and cheap, you're going to get a lot back for him so long as he continues to perform. But so far, yeah, he's looked great. Yeah, and you was just saying that how he had been getting hit around. But when I've been looking at stuff, almost every time I look at his stats, he dominates in the beginning. It's the third time around the lineup that's been getting to him. And that's really the case with most um, guys who are trying to make it as a pitcher in the majors. It's that third time. Do you expect him to add another pitcher? How do you expect him to combat that? Combat the fact that he's getting hit around in the third time? Yeah, that usually just comes down to your repertoire, right? Most relievers are just two-pitch guys. Younger or younger and or not as good starters are three pitch guys, and then you have guys like Max Scherzer who are like cold pitch guys, right? I mean, he's obviously not on the level of Max Scherzer yet, but that changeup that he's developed has been a game changer for him. Uh, you know, he doesn't throw super hard. He he's got his velocity up some into the low to nineties. So you got the fastball, you got the change, he's got a breaking ball. You know, he's used to done. So I think. You know, I'm sure this offseason the Orioles are going to want him to continue to develop his repertoire uh, and that the breaking ball is going to be key to that. So if you have three quality pitches, then that third time through the order makes it a lot easier to navigate your way as opposed to just having the hitters think, all right, it's either fastball or change up. So it's just a matter of experience for him. You know, he's still <laughs> he's still real young in the game. Yeah. So it's hard it's hard not to be greedy, but you got to remember that you know, it takes time. It's time to become that, to, to, to own the craft, as they say. Yeah, location, location, location. That is it. for That's pitchers, and it's really always just constant adjustments. That is the story in, the, in baseball. And the guy who has not made adjustments, Chris Davis, he started the season with his historic hitless streak. Then he bats close to 300 for a month, and now he's struggling again. What's up? Well, I think the what's, the what's the mirage and what's the reality, I think. At this point, the, the part where he gets going for a little while, that's more the mirage. And so the fact that he's struggling again, I don't, I don't think you say what's up. I think more, it's more like what was up when he wasn't struggling. So he's just, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on inside his head. I haven't talked to him in a little while. I talked to him earlier in the season when he was going through the stuff. Um, and, you know, he's, it's not like he's not trying, right? He wants to do well. He, you know, he's getting paid a lot. He knows the fans expect a lot out of him, but reason it's just not working out. I read a great Sports Illustrated article written by uh, a girl named 
I think it was Stephanie Epstein last year at the end of the, I don't know if you saw it at the end of the season in September, maybe late September. Sports Illustrated. And it was a feat. Yeah, it was a feat. Yeah, I saw that. Davis. A great story. It was a story I had been wanting to write all year. I have a pretty decent relationship with Davis, but I just hadn't gotten around to getting with him. But she got some time with him and got some really good candid stuff from him uh, emotionally. But, you know, from a strategic mechanical standpoint, the, the, the point that article made was that it was all about the shift basically ruined Chris Davis, right? That because he was such a heavy pull hitter, now they're shifting him. He can't get a hit. So really the only thing he can do or the thing that he was trying to do was hit it over everybody. In other words, hit a home run. And we all know that in baseball, when you try and hit a home run, that's usually when you don't, they don't come, right? The home runs come when you're not trying to hit them. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think at its root, that's probably what's, what's going on with him. But it's sad to see. Did you see the... Did you see the thing with the, the Boston Red Sox fan, the nine-year-old kid who, who sent him a letter? Did you see that? I did not. Yeah, so this was actually really cool. I think it was last last week this came out. Masson produced this little video segment on a nine-year-old Red Sox fan who uh, had, back when the streak was still going, I think, like when he was towards the tail end of that streak where he was mm-hmm. over 54, this kid wrote a letter to him basically saying, I'm a Red Sox fan, but it doesn't matter who I'm a fan of. I support you, you know, no matter what you're going through, please remember that you're not defined by being a baseball player. You're defined by who you are as a human being and you're a good human being. It was the sweetest thing. So they had him on for this, this little mm-hmm. segment that they produced and Gary Thorne interviewed him and had the kid read the letter aloud. Uh, and the kid was great. Like for a nine year old, he was super intelligent, super articulate. Uh, and then they had Davis meet with the kid and he shagged fly balls during batting practice. It was really cool yeah. and really sweet. And apparently Davis kept the letter with him and has carried around with him all year. But I couldn't help but think if this happened like three months ago when the streak was almost at its end, why are we only hearing about it now? And me being the conspiracy theorist I am, I think it had something to do with that dugout dust-up that, that Davis had with Brandon Hyde. And yeah, the Orioles were probably thinking, how can we... How can we spin this? How can we manage the PR? Because right now, this is not a good look for Davis. It's not a good look for the Orioles. Oh, right. Remember that letter he got back in May or whenever it was? Let's yeah. do a thing on that. Everybody will, everybody will fall in love again. Yeah. So. I mean, the thing with the dugout thing, though, in my opinion, what, in my opinion, had been annoying the fans the most was the fact Davis showed no signs of changing, no signs of visible frustration, and finally being able to see that I think that the Orioles fans appreciated that. And you're right, though. And the players are more than what they do on the field. And I think the the Colts fans, especially with what's been happening with Andrew Luck over the weekend, they're forgetting that. They're forgetting that these players have other lives outside the game. And while the Orioles, they have to make their decisions inside the game. What do you do with Chris Davis? Me personally, I you know I went to Penn. I went to the Wharton School of Business undergrad, and one of the few things that I remember from my college education was what they call sunk cost. Mm-hmm. And that means once you spend money, the money is spent. Like it doesn't matter what you do from that point forward. You've, you've spent the money; it's gone. It's not coming back. So for me to what's Davis is now in year four, I think, right of the seven-year deal. I think he goes until I think he's just, it's over in twenty twenty-one. After twenty twenty-one. Yeah, so they're still on the hook for like $70 million more. And so I think a lot of people, the rationale is you got to keep them around because you can't, you're already paying them, so you got to keep them around. But to me, that makes no sense. I mean, he's got a good glove. What's that? He has a good glove at first base. 
it's fine, but with, with that bat, it's just killing them. So I think if it were me, I'd say, look, I, regardless of whether I cut him or keep him, I'm still paying him $70 million more, but he's killing my lineup. So at some point, I think you have to just cut bait. It's a sunk cost. And then try and find a replacement at first base. And as it is, they, they, they're not even, it's not even like he's their go-to first baseman anyway right now, right? Mantini's been playing some first. Yeah. We've got Ryan Mountcastle coming down the pipe, and it doesn't look like it looks like he pro- will probably end up at first base, maybe, maybe a corner outfield spot. Mm-hmm. Or if it's not one of those guys, you go free agent route. And these days, with off, with the free agent market being so depressed, you can find look at the Nationals have Matt Adams. They signed Matt Adams for like a one year deal for I don't know what it was like three million dollars, four million dollars. So mm-hmm. I'd rather if, if it was a choice between paying Chris Davis. $23 million to simplify it and make it next year. Between paying Chris Davis $23 million next year and keeping him on the team or paying Chris Davis and a guy like Matt Adams a combined $26 million next year, but cutting Davis and having Adams be your first baseman, I'd rather take Adams. Mm-hmm. So to, to me, I, I think it's sunk cost. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, my theory was unless you have someone ready to replace him in the minors, why do it? But why? cut him but i see where you're coming from coming getting that guy from the outside having someone a veteran leadership who's not whose mentality is an everyday man i'm sucking it up every single game and (laughs) definitely not good for the younger players to get used to that in baltimore um my first podcast on sports with yosef i said the orioles could be competitive in a best case scenario playoffs 2020 that included though mullins doing well hayes doing well Bundy pitching like he did in the first part of 2018 season. I expected Davis to have a bounce back, bounce back, a bunch of other things. None of it happened. And now playoffs in 2020 would be a miracle. But when do you think the Orioles will be competitive? What are we in? 2019, not going to be 20, not going to be 21. I would say 22 at the earliest, more likely 23. Mm-hmm. That's my take. Although, you know, I got to give them credit. The, 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 the pitching depth in the minor leagues is coming on a lot quicker than a lot of people expected, certainly a lot quicker than I expected. Guys like Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, they've got some good arms down there, and they drafted Adley Rutschman, the catcher from Oregon State, who is supposedly the whole package. I'm sure he'll be here before too long, probably sometime next year. So, worth it to start his clock that early? Yeah, I, I... I don't know. I don't think you can care about the clock so much. Uh, you know, six years. That's a big question. It's tricky. You know, if they bring him up next year, he's got six years. That takes you through 2025 sometime. Mm-hmm. You're talking about contending starting in 2023. You've got him for at least three years. Yeah, maybe they wait till 2021, but probably not, I don't think. So, yeah, I think it's like 2023. Three is probably my best guess, but it, they, they might they might sneak up on some people and get there by twenty two. Mm-hmm. The Nationals lost Bryce Harper over the offseason. How does the National season measure up to your expectations? They are right now about where I thought they would be. It, it didn't happen the way that I thought it would be. Right, they were horrible for the first fifty games, and they've been really good for the last seventy five or eighty games. Yeah. If you net if you net that out, they are about where I, I thought they would be. It just didn't, didn't look like what I thought it would be. But I I always said I thought they would be just as good, if not better, without Bryce Harper. I don't love him 
as much as other people do as a hitter. You know, when he's hot, he's great. But I think he's inconsistent, and he he tries to yank everything out of the park. He certainly gives some fear in your lineup, which I think is important. Um, and I, I really was not a fan of his feeling, especially last year. I think he was trying to protect himself and stay healthy for free agency. But he didn't look good in the field last year. So I, I knew they were gonna. I thought they would get better defensively. I thought they would get better offensively too. Uh, and in the clubhouse, which is hard to quantify, it was always weird that Bryce Harper in the clubhouse. And now that he's yeah. gone, the team seems way more cohesive than they were when he was there. So, yeah, I thought they would be better without him. I, I don't think we can say at this point that they're better than they were. I mean, they're better than they were last year. I don't know that this team has fared better than some of their playoff teams they had with Harper. Although I would say right now they look like one of the best teams in baseball. They have been the best team in baseball over the last three months. Mm-hmm. So I, I think right now they, they have to be pretty happy with their decision from a baseball standpoint. I will say attendance is down in Washington, probably like 3,000 fans a game. And I'm sure most of that, if not all of it, is attributable to Harper not being there. And I don't know if the Lerner family who owns the Nationals, I don't know which one they care about more. I'm sure they care about both. But from a baseball standpoint, I think it's been good. Mm-hmm. And just last of all, can I get a World Series prediction? Eddie? I just lost Eddie Matz there. Um, yeah. All right. Finally, Eddie, last question. Um, what's your World Series prediction? Well, my prediction preseason, because we always have to do that at ESPN, you know, give us your predictions, make us look mm-hmm. like idiots, um, was Astros and Nationals with the Astros winning. Uh-huh. So, I- given the fact that both those teams still look like they're in the mix for that eventuality, I'm going to stick with that, Astros and Nationals with Astros winning. Uh-huh. Actually, I love the sign. When I had Jerry Sandusky's voice, the Ravens, on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him to do a prediction, he's like, I don't do predictions, Yosef. I mean, I once predicted the Bills to win the Super Bowl four years in a row. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. it. So did, he give you a, did he give you a prediction or no? No. Broke down the Browns. Right. Okay. Wouldn't give me a prediction. Yeah. Well, he's probably smarter than I am. He, you know, he knows sometimes it's better to abstain, but I'll go for it. Astros over Nationals. All right. Thank you so much, Eddie. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Always a pleasure. That was ESPN writer Eddie Matz. That's the third time he came on Sports with Yosef. Hopefully he'll be willing to come on again in the future. But like I said in the beginning, that's all that will be happening on Sports with Yosef today. Really, Eddie was the star of the show. And coming up next episode, I'm going to be going through the entire NFL preview of the NFL season drama has happened a star player has retired i was broadcasting live on sportscaster when it broke my opinions are on sportscaster and they will also be on the next episode of sports with yosef as well as a ravens preview super bowl predictions and much more so make sure you're checking that out and of course check out all my other episodes of sports with yosef and check out my videos on sportscaster sportscastr.com link in the description of this podcast and I do a lot of live videos I do analysis I did a fantasy 
preview who I would suggest taking who I would not suggest taking I did it based on PPR but I'm using that to get ready for my half PPR draft and my standard draft doing three leagues so far this year could get another one PPR half PPR and standard and I'm using it for all of them so make sure you check that out check out my in-depth analysis of every single NFL game happening this year every single game 256 regular season games I have live analysis Every game, you will be surprised at what the Ravens record is. I will break it down a little on Sports with Yosef, but to check out all the other teams besides the Ravens, check it out on Sportscaster. I've not even done all the videos yet. And you will be able to tune in live when I'm doing it. I'm going to be doing some Ravens games live this year. Make sure you're checking that out. As well as checking out my blog, sportsblog.com. Username, YosefM613. Got a lot of great stuff there. It is a Ravens blog, only three posts. I'm going to periodically, hopefully every week or two weeks, post during the year and onward. So make sure you check that out. Link is in the description of my podcast as well. I apologize for the poor audio quality today with Eddie Matz. He was had a little bit of a phone coverage issue, but it was a lot of fun to do, and I'm glad that you tuned in as well, because thank you for listening to this edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Miss Sinner. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.